Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hello again, plant friends. Thank you for joining me in my studio the plant host studio which is on my back patio and i'm recording here from taylor texas and i am just really ready to visit with y'all again about all things gardening in central texas here lately it's been hot and muggy um the past week or so um really typical of August this time of year and with this kind of extra heat my garden has really slowed down a lot Um, everything has really slowed down on growing everything but the okra and it has gotten so tall I don't know I'm guessing that they're probably like five feet tall but since they're in raised beds it's more like they're seven feet tall and it's really really impressive how big they are but if i'm not careful (laughs) i'm going to break my neck trying to pick those pods because i made the mistake of standing on the base of the raised bed and my raised beds are just made from um, like two levels of cinder block they're really not all that attractive, but they function just fine. And, you know, they're kind of stagger stacked, like one on top of another. Um, but they're not cemented or they're secured at all. So it really was not the best idea for me to stand on one of them. But I did it anyway. And <laughs> I just about fell over because it started like wobbling really bad. And... I am pretty lucky that I didn't bust anything today. I mean, I'm still intact. My raised bed is still intact. I mean, one of the okra plants is missing some of the leaves because I grabbed onto it trying to stabilize myself. Um, But I, I didn't actually fall this time. And I probably should not try to do that again. But I can't make any promises about that because I'm always forgetting how old I actually am because in my head I'm still like 23 and like at least 30 pounds uh, lighter but I don't know I'm just delusional and I really do know better and I should be kind of thankful to the universe for sending me that little reality check because this is no time to be breaking your neck (laughs) anyway about that okra I have to check my okra at least once a day sometimes I check the okra twice a day because it's just growing so fast and so crazy and putting out blossoms and pods all the time and if I'm not diligent and I miss a day or I miss a pod those suckers will double in length and then they get really tough 
and it this happens so fast they literally grow that fast overnight and I promise you I'm not exaggerating at all it happens so crazy fast and when it does they get hard and tough and super super fibrous and they're pretty much inedible when they get this way because you can hardly cut them much less try to chew them and I hate that because okra is just so so good I love love okra so if you want to hear more about me going uh, telling you all about the virtues of okra and how to grow it and whatnot um, go back and find the plow and hose podcast from may 9th and that would be episode number 18 we are kind of outside the planting window for sowing more okra seeds but if you do have some seeds left over from your summer garden planting when you planted them earlier in the spring and you really want to have more okra i think you should just go for it and just plant a few seeds We've had like this odd, mild summer here in Central Texas. So I think it's worth trying. Go ahead, use up the seeds that you have. Because if you do, then you get to buy fresh new seeds next year. And who doesn't want to do that? While I've been out in my garden picking my okra, I've noticed these funny little bugs. I see them um, every year actually out on the okra and sometimes on sunflowers. I'm not really sure if I've noticed them on anything else actually, but these are half inch long wedge shaped bugs that have really wide set eyes. They look a lot like a sideways uh, sunflower seed, but with little froggy type eyes. These bugs like to hang out on the stems and branches of my okra and I really think they're kind of charming because they just seem painfully shy. You know like once they notice you noticing them they do this little sideways shuffle and they kind of scoot around the stem like they're trying to hide uh, and it's just it's just silly because, like, dude, I just saw you. I know where you are. I don't know. It's kind of like playing hide-and-seek with a toddler. <laughs> um, I think they are kind of cute, and I like when they do that um, little hiding game. I mean, they are just like, oh, my God, here's that lady again. God, I hope she didn't see me because I don't want to deal with her right now, and I just hate people. I hear you, bug. Uh, I get that way at Walmart, too. Anyway, these uh, shy and kind of weird little guys are brown leaf hoppers, and they're part of a really large insect family that includes all different types of leaf hoppers, but also spittle bugs and cicadas. They all have that similar look to kind of a bit of a wedge shape and then those wide set eyes. Leaf hoppers can be um, pretty picky when it comes to host plants and they tend to pick a favorite plant family and that's all they want to eat. They just stick to those. 
there are like 20,000 different kinds of leaf hoppers and there are potato leaf hoppers and beet leaf hoppers and apple leaf hoppers and maize leaf hoppers, rice leaf hoppers, tons and tons of others. If there's a crop, it likely has a leaf hopper named for it. But there are also less picky bugs, uh, whatever hoppers, I guess. Um, they aren't as selective as um, about the plants that they want. Like the ones on my okra are just common brown leaf hoppers. They're really content with a wider variety of meals um, and plants um, to feast on. Um, you know, they like okra and sunflowers, whatever. They're just kind of whatever leaf hoppers. But all leaf hoppers are suckers. They suck the sap right out of their host plants. And some of them are more destructive than others. But um, d it there's, there's some factors that play into um, the type and the severity of the damage. Mainly it has to do with quantities and conditions. If you have a significant infestation, like they're just all over your plants, then all those bugs suck up way too much sap and that will destroy um, the plant tissue and the chlorophyll that's inside. And chlorophyll is, that green, uh, is the green pigment in plants that uses sunlight to make food for the plant. So not enough food means not enough energy and that can weaken a plant and make it susceptible to all kinds of additional problems. Because leaf hoppers pierce the plants with their mouth parts to suck out that, that sap, they can quickly spread pathogens and diseases as they bounce from an infected plant to a not infected plant. So they can spread diseases um, kind of quickly. Their hind legs are interesting. They have evolved for jumping and can bounce from plant to plant, but really only for short distances, like from leaf to leaf, hence the name leaf hopper. They move a little bit differently than crickets and grasshoppers, which have a much more powerful jump and they can, they can jump further distances than the leaf hoppers. Leaf hoppers also produce honeydew. Sucking bugs like aphids and leaf hoppers use their mouth parts to suck the juice from the plants and since they eat a lot, that means they poop a lot. The plant juices are really high in sugars and way more than the insects can process. So what they don't use, they excrete out and that's sticky sweet substance is called honeydew. So basically honeydew is bug pee. Sticky sweet bug pee. Honeydew itself isn't harmful to plants or people, but it can attract other insects like ants and it serves as food for black sooty mold. Black sooty mold is gross and it's ugly and plants look terrible and too much of it will weaken a plant, but I've only noticed um, a little bit of sooty mold on my okra, but 
It's only been on the um, closed blossoms, the blossoms that have already been pollinated and they're about to, to fall off. I'm not concerned about it because it's not affecting my harvest and I'm still getting lots and lots of okra every day. Common brown leaf hoppers aren't terribly voracious eaters either. As long as there aren't like a billion of them, I'm really okay with them kind of hanging out in the okra. But if you don't want them to be there, like maybe you have way too many of them, you can treat them with insecticidal soap, but just fill it like a spray bottle with some water and add a tablespoon or so of liquid dish soap. You can shake it up to mix it together and then just spritz that on your um, infested plants. Now you have to spritz it on the bugs to make uh, so that it works. Just remember that if you do decide to spray them, do it early in the day or in the evening so they have time to dry before the intense sun and the heat um, burns up your wet plants. Like I said, I find these little leaf hoppers kind of absurd and I think they're amusing and entertaining and you know, they're not hurting my okra harvest so they're all right by me. Also this past week in my garden, I've been seeing lots and lots of butterflies. I've seen gulf fritillaries, painted ladies, queen butterflies, and I was kind of excited because this morning I saw a monarch in my garden. Uh, I'm really not surprised by seeing all these butterflies. I've got a whole lot of nectar plants blooming right now. I've got Turk's cap, coral vine, passion flower, Lantana, Greg's Miss Flower, and my mimosa tree is still putting out a few flowers. And I've seen hummingbirds hanging around the tree and then also around the yard. Uh, I've also seen quite a few wasps. Um, I'm not a big fan of the wasp, but they are an important pollinator. So as long as they leave me alone and stay out of my space, I think we're cool but they're annoying because they keep rebuilding their nests. Uh, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like talking about wasps today, so let's circle back to the butterflies because while I was out in my garden, I found some swallowtail caterpillars eating on my parsley. Now, I'm really surprised that my parsley has not bolted yet, you know, that hasn't set flowers and seeds, but it's, it's been such a mild summer, so I'm really grateful that I still have um, fresh parsley growing in the yard. Last fall, I had ordered like a whole bunch of Italian flat leaf parsley seeds, so because I wanted to grow some parsley for my bunnies. They love fresh parsley, so I wanted to grow some for them. I don't remember what I was thinking at the time, but I ended up ordering a full pound of parsley seed, which that really doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is. I'm guessing that was probably a better deal to get a full pound, but whatever. I ended up with a whole lot of extra parsley seeds, but it was fine because I had some bare spots in the yard and I ended up just tossing the seeds right into the yard. 
it did take a while for them to sprout and I actually thought the freeze back in February um, killed them but this spring they started popping up so that was cool and I had lots of fresh picked parsley all spring and all summer for my rabbits now that it's warmed up a little bit temperatures are getting high the parsley isn't looking so great and there isn't near as much as it was when it was cooler it doesn't doesn't grow as high um, as it did earlier I think they would probably really benefit from some more water but that's okay I'm not worried about it I am still able to pick a handful or so every week for uh, from my uh, parsley patches that I have around the yard but one morning the other day I noticed that one of my patches had you know a pretty decent amount to pick so I just started picking it so I give that uh, to the bunnies for their treat and I had pretty much picked all that was in that little area and then I went to go pick this last little bit and that's when I found these two big fat green stripy caterpillars just munching away on the parsley and I was like oh my god I just picked all of their food and I felt really bad and I mean there really wasn't anything that I could do I mean I couldn't put the parsley back so I went in the house I got a cup of water and placed part of that parsley that I picked into the cup and then I put the caterpillars onto the parsley and relocated them to my patio and then I went inside and I got this mesh container from the playroom it was just filled with all these balls like basketball soccer balls playground balls I just dumped them all out and took it outside and turned it upside down and placed it over my caterpillars in and their cup of parsley it was really the best that I could do to try to keep them safe um, from birds and it just kind of helped ease my guilt a little bit since I had picked all of their food in the yard and I guess they were they were under the, the my little makeshift tent for a couple days and they were just eating um, just fine and then one day at lunch I couldn't find them they weren't like in my little upside down mesh container thing so I just had to guess that they figured out a way to crawl out I mean uh, it wasn't like one of those really cool zip up butterfly tents that are actually secure I mean I was a little disappointed but you know I wanted to watch them um, transform into butterflies but I just went back in I ate my lunch and then I went back to work and so I left the cup of parsley and I didn't do anything with it until the next day but when I went to go get the mesh container so that I could put the balls back in it I noticed the parsley was wilted and I saw one green chrysalis hanging upside down and I was so happy to find it but as soon as I moved the cup that chrysalis fell off it just broke off the the stem I was like oh come on 
But luckily, my friend Tammy asked me to babysit some monarch butterfly chrysalises while she went on vacation, so I knew what to do. Uh, Of the three that she gave me um, a month or so ago, two of them were properly attached. They attached themselves to the top of the tent, and they um, created a chrysalis around around their bodies and she also had one that had fallen off and she was able to tie it up so that it could hang Um, they have to hang so that they can develop properly so I went inside I found a spool of thread cut off a piece and I was able to tie my little green chrysalis and thread it through the top of the tent and then um, it's in there dangling right now And I guess it's been probably a week now since I got it all tied up. And it's changing a little bit every day. It's not that pretty bright green anymore. It's kind of morphing into a yellowish brown. And from what I've read, that's kind of what they do. They gradually get darker and then emerge as a butterfly. And that can take anywhere from 10 to 20 days after the chrysalis forms. But I'm really hoping that it's going to survive. And maybe this time next week, I can give you an update on this transformation. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends. Or head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or you know wherever you get your shows and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, Download some episodes and leave a review. It's super quick and easy. You just click on some stars, maybe type a sentence or two about what you like about the show, and then submit it. This is going to help others find the show on their own. Um, I guess more discover the show on their own. And downloading episodes helps provide me with show statistics. So if you get a chance to do that, do it. All right. Swallowtail caterpillars aren't the only caterpillars I've been finding in my yard this past week. I've been noticing lots and lots of other caterpillars, and I'm not super excited about it. And that's because I'm finding lots and lots of army worms. And I, I first noticed them in the pool, but then I started seeing them kind of wriggling around in the grass. And when, once I started noticing them, they are everywhere. They're all over the place. These little army worms are about an inch and a half long or so, and they're brownish green, like a dark olive color. The younger ones are more green and their heads are more distinct, but as they age, they get more brown and it's a little more difficult to tell the back end from the front end. 
army worms appear about this time every year. Some years there are more of them than other years. I mean, really, some years I did not even notice them, but this year there just seems to be this abundance of them. Uh, not sure why. I think it's just an unusual year here for us in Central Texas. I mean, we've got the pandemic, we've got the weather being nuts. It's totally bananas. The weather's been all over the place. And for some reason, there have been tons and tons of bugs and, and not just these uh, army worms. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was supposed to be the year of the locust with all those cicadas all over the, all over the country. I don't know. It just beats me. Army worms eat grasses and they eat lots of grass. And supposedly the way they got their name was when a whole bunch of army worms show up and there's lots and lots of them and as they eat their way through a hay field it looks like they're marching like an army I don't know I guess it was just a really really bad year when they got their name because they must have just had so many of them to to get that name I don't know. I, I, I have a pretty nice sized yard and I've got plenty of turf grass, but I've not noticed ever any sort of troop formations of army worms. And thank God, because that would be really creepy. I mean, it'd be super fascinating. I would totally watch them, but it'd definitely be creepy. A single army worm moth can lay up to 2,000 eggs a day. So it's totally possible that they could look like a little military invasion. And that many caterpillars from one moth, I mean, if you had 50 of these little moths, they really put out 2,000 eggs. I mean, that's crazy. They could absolutely be devastating to folks who grow grasses for like livestock forage and also for cut hay. Army worms really like Bermuda grass and sorghum. They'll eat corn and wheat and, and rye grass. I was reading that the Department of Agriculture studies um, these army worms and they said that two army worms per square foot can eat 84 pounds of foliage per acre. So if two little army worms can eat that much, just imagine what 2,000 army worms could do to a pasture. And if there were more than that, they could totally wipe out a hay meadow overnight. So they are a concern for folks that are growing hay but the only way to control that many army worms is to spray the fields with chemical pesticides for us homeowners and backyard gardeners we don't have to use the really harsh synthetic chemicals 
to uh, we can treat armyworms with organic products like BT, Bacillus thuringiensis, or spinosad. But to me, you have to decide if that's what you really want to do. If it's worth your time and your money to treat your lawn at all. It doesn't matter if you use a synthetic pesticide or a natural organic pesticide because neither of them discriminate. They kill all caterpillars. And that's not good. It's a really bad idea, especially if you're trying to attract pollinators to your yard like swallowtails and monarchs but it does not matter if they're natural or synthetic pesticides they're going to kill all of the caterpillars that it comes in contact with and I personally do not think that it's worth it not worth the effort or the expense just to protect the lawn and yes armyworms do eat lots of turf grasses bermuda absolute favorite but they will also defoliate saint augustine grass and some of the zoysia grasses but the good news is for us a healthy lawn recovers so quickly and they're able to produce new blades really really soon um you know just like when you mow your yard couple days later they've already started to rebound so I don't think that it's really worth the expense or the time to treat the yard for armyworms by the time you notice armyworms in your lawn it may be too late anyway because armyworms have been eating for two or three weeks before you even notice them and they will only eat a couple more days before starting to build their cocoons so they can transform into adult armyworm moths. So you really gotta treat your yard when they are young if you want to reduce the most damage. I haven't quite figured out how this is, how that's gonna work because if you're supposed to treat them before you notice them, how do you know you have them? I don't know. I told you it's just not worth it. But if you just hate those army worms so much and you gotta do something, how about this? How about free range backyard poultry? Chickens totally love eating bugs and caterpillars. They will gobble them up and they will seek them out. They will actually tear up your lawns with their by scratching around and then they also eat the grass too so maybe chickens aren't the the best solution for solely treating army worms but ducks love caterpillars and snails and slugs too and they don't really want to eat the grass because they prefer like leafy greens and they've got webbed feet and they aren't really able to scratch around like chickens and tear up the grass. So that's my recommendation for organically controlling army worms in your backyard. Get yourself a pet duck for your garden. <laughs> All right. 
Well, that's all I have today. Be sure to be thinking about your fall garden and all the nice things that you can plant now so you can um, harvest them in the fall. And we are getting so, so close to being able to plant cool season crops again. So be thinking about what you want to plant and start shopping for seeds. Thank you all for joining me again. Y'all have a wonderful and productive week. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.